Welcome to You, the Universe, the Holistic Mind with Katherine Potter. Are you ready to deep dive into a better understanding of how your mind, body, and relationships to everything else in your world come together? For the next hour, we invite you to embark on a journey of discovery and connections. Now, here's your host, Katherine Potter. Hello, everyone. My name is Katherine Potter, and I'd like to welcome you to You, the Universe, the Holistic Mind. Each week, we explore topics that support the idea that everything is interconnected and in relationship. Today, we are going to look at ourselves as budding choice makers and the law of attraction. When we are younger, part of growing up includes being attracted to and attracting in a variety of types of people and situations, some of which turn out well and some that don't. We can't go through life without getting some emotional bumps and bruises. These situations offer us the opportunity for inner growth and discovery. However, eventually we come to a point either individually as a family or a community where we want to become more conscious in the choices we make. We then learn to say no to the types of people and situations that harm us and say yes to those that enhance us. So what happens when we need to end a relationship that we were earlier attracted to? What happens to the people we once cared about and the creations and life that came out of that caring? When we make the decision to end a relationship, an opportunity for growth lies on our horizon. We can think out of the box and choose to end a relationship mindfully, causing the least amount of injury to ourselves and others. Our guest today is collaborative lawyer Deanna Kobernick. Let's find out what she has to say about creating endings that are supportive for all involved parties. Deanna, welcome, and I'm glad you are on the show. Thanks, Catherine. Thanks for having me here today. So let's start with the question, which probably everybody, you know, very few people know what collaborative law is. I came across it a few years back and was really intrigued by I by the idea, but I think a lot of people think of collaborative law and they immediately go to a mediator. So tell us a little bit more what collaborative law is. So collaborative law actually started in the United States in the 1990s um, by a lovely gentleman who I have had the opportunity to meet. His name is Stu Webb. Um, At that time, he was practicing law in Minneapolis, and he and many of his colleagues were simply frustrated and burned out from the traditional practice of law. And so they got together, at least this is the story that I'm aware of, and decided to create something um, that was much more helpful to families instead of the harmful litigation process, which is what they were used to working in. Um, So the collaborative model is a process that, again, came out of the United States. It's now in countries all across the world, and we have a very active collaborative bar in Edmonton. I think we're up to 100 um, professionals right now. So it's a multidisciplinary approach to helping families through separation and divorce. 
And multidisciplinary means that it's not just lawyers. So often when people think of divorce, they um, think I've got to go hire a lawyer and I've got to fight and I've got to get before a judge and someone's got to hear my story and find out that I'm right and the other person's wrong. Um, This is kind of the opposite of that. So it's a team approach to um, helping families and the team consists of lawyers. So each um, person in um, still has their own lawyer. Um, then we have psychologists that work both with the clients and with the children. And then we also have financial neutrals so that if we need help with budgeting or future income planning or business valuations or income calculations. So instead of it being a lawyer-led process, it's a team approach and it keeps people out of court because the fundamental premise of sorry, the fundamental premise of collaborative um, practice is that we sign an agreement at the beginning which says that nobody is going to go to court. So it's a very strong commitment by the lawyers, the financial people, and the psychologists that we're going to help the family without going to court. Okay. Wow. That is amazing. So so here's um, like a question that came to mind. So obviously, um, if somebody is working with a collaborative lawyer, the other party cannot just hire any lawyer. Am I understanding correctly that um, it needs to be lawyers who are trained in a particular way? Just clarify that for me. Yeah, that's correct. So you have to, um, the other person would need to find a registered collaborative family law lawyer. So I mentioned that there was a group in Edmonton. So we have an Edmonton um, association that consists of about 100 professionals. And these are professionals that do extra training beyond our law degree um, that allows us to be a registered collaborative lawyer. And most, sorry, most importantly, to me, what sets the difference between a collaborative lawyer and a, your typical stereotypical litigation lawyer is it's a different mindset. It's a mindset of we're going to get together and we're going to resolve this in a cooperative manner rather than a litigious adversarial manner. And you mentioned that all over the world um, there are these types of organizations that people can contact if they're interested in uh, working collaboratively. Yes, so there's an international association of collaborative professionals and on that there's a website and on that website would list all of the different lawyers and other professionals that you can contact anywhere in the world. Nice. At the end of the show today, we'll give out some of that contact information because I'm sure people listening to this short, sort of show will be in intrigued by this idea and so um, I noticed you said something and I can't quite remember the word something about neutral finances right so well each um, I wish I this is where I wish we could be visual and I could make a drawing Um, so you're drawing it in your mind listeners (laughs) so each client still has their lawyer so if you had a circle there'd be two circles for the lawyers and two more circles for um, each of the clients so you each have your lawyer Um, but then we have a mental health professional that we call a neutral and a financial um, expert that we call a neutral because they actually work with both clients oh I like it so you don't have um, say someone has the most common example would be say you have a business, a family-owned business, and you're trying to figure out, well, what is this business worth? Because one person wants to keep it, and the other one would like a chunk of cash out of the business because they want to go move on and do something else. So what's the business worth? So instead of each person um, 
finding their own expert to determine what the value of the business was. They actually work together um, with one person um, that meets with both of them, works with both of them, and then works with the rest of the team. Whereas in the traditional litigation model, each person would hire their own expert, and then now you've got the battle of the experts going on as to who's wrong and who's right. Oh, so you know what? This would obviously, um, you know, I don't know what the cost is. I know what the cost is emotionally and mentally for people when they uh, when they get into a battle to end something. Um, but I'm not sure what the cost would be, and I'm assuming the cost would, would depend on what's involved. But somehow I think um, the cost on every level, including financial, must end up less if you're not going and and having a punch-down, drag-out fight in the courts. Um, Of course, we don't have exacting data on that, um, but the latest statistic that I've heard is the average cost of a litigated divorce in Canada right now is somewhere between fifty dollars and $70,000 per person. Um, And I can guarantee you that I've never billed... (laughs) $50,000 $50,000 on a collaborative file, not even close. Um, I had a client come to me last week, actually, who's been through four different lawyers. She's been litigating for, I believe, six years, and she's already spent over $40,000 in legal fees, and they're not even close to having a resolution. Wow. So I know when people think of, okay, now I've got two lawyers in a room for every hour. What's that costing me per hour? Now what's this financial person going to cost me? What's this psychologist going to cost me? I know at the front end, um, when you're thinking of that, it can sound sound like a lot and feel a bit overwhelming. Um, but over the long haul, it's much, much less costly than going the other route. And costly not just in a monetary way, but mentally, emotionally. I mean, that I've seen people stay in lawsuits for a long time and their health is being compromised. And, um, and that is costly on so many levels. So I, I find that really interesting. So you had, um, okay, so what comes to mind for me is even though I love the idea that there are these pockets all over the world and we've got like a strong pocket here in Edmonton and Alberta, for most part, the majority, I'm asking this as a question, uh, the, the, are the majority of lawyers still dealing in a um, let's, you know, fight each other way? Well, considering we've, got 100 professionals and I'm going to guess 70 of those are lawyers if I and I don't know what the total family bar in Edmonton would be but yeah I would say we're still a minority of lawyers in Edmonton that would be practicing collaboratively Um, that doesn't mean all lawyers necessarily go let's go to court and let's run off and make court applications there's probably lots of lawyers practicing out there that try to resolve things by negotiation but maybe they're just not a collaborative lawyer but you've got kind of the whole spectrum so the only way to know what kind of lawyer you're getting is to get a registered collaborative lawyer and so and if people are um, choosing not to go that way, I mean, would it not be important for them to, like, interview their lawyer and say, um, you know, what is your what is your approach, right? So you would know up front that somebody might be 
a, you know, let's kick their butt type of thing <laughs> and let's get as much money as possible. And um, so with some of that just come in that initial interview, finding out with a, a, a regular lawyer, a lawyer who's not collaborative. Right. So I think if you're interviewing any kind of professional, whether it be a lawyer, doctor, psychologist, anybody, you should be asking you know, what are the different services you offer? Um, what does this look like? What approach are you going to take? I think often, though, when people are going to see a lawyer, often it's the very first time they've been to see a lawyer, so they don't really know what to expect. Um, and maybe they don't know the right questions to ask. Often they go by what their friend's divorce was like or a family mm-hmm. member's divorce. Um, and we're working really hard in our association to get you know, more information out that there is this other way um, to move through a divorce, as you said, in a way that does so with a minimal amount of damage to parents and children. Um, But yes, those are questions you should be asking the lawyer when you interview them. I think when most people go to their lawyer, when they're in the throes of a divorce, they're scared. Um, They're scared. It's unfamiliar to them. They're worried about what their financial future is going to look like. They're worried about their children. And often, I think they don't know what questions to ask, and they're really just looking for someone to kind of take their side and guide them through it. But yeah, with anything, I would suggest you do your homework before you um, retain somebody. Yes, very good. Um, And I noticed you said you're getting the word out there, and, and that's good to hear. I mean, it's just such a different way of working, but you know, but what we're trying to accomplish, obviously, where we're trying to go, just period. You know, in the back of my mind, or maybe in the back of my mind coming to the front of my mouth, <laughs> I'm thinking maybe some of our politicians and leaders should be studying um, collaborative law, or at least that type of communication. So, <laughs> just something, just saying, I know I can say that, and you probably think it too. I mean, we need a little bit more of that in the world. It's become pretty um, pretty apparent that we're still in the knockdown, punch you out, and I'm the top dog kind of um, leadership. So we're about ready to go to break. When we come back, um, I'd like to find out more about what brought you into uh, this whole field. And so stay tuned. When we come back, I'm going to ask Deanna about her attraction to collaborative law. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you curious about your unique astrological blueprint? Would you like guidance on how to work consciously with the planetary cycles affecting your life? Are you ready to expand your horizons and release limiting beliefs or patterns that inhibit your growth and happiness? With insight, compassion, and experience, Catherine Potter holds a clear place for your unfolding evolution. For more information, go to katherinepotter.ca. That's katherinepotter.ca. Are you a budding or closet metaphysician, mystic, or astrologer? Do you want to find out about upcoming programs, workshops, lectures, or retreats? You'll want to sign up for Catherine's free monthly newsletter and stay up to date with informative articles and workshop information. 
visit katherinepotter.ca to subscribe. From astrology to hypnotherapy and mysticism, you'll stay up to date on classes, consultations, and more. Visit katherinepotter.ca and stay in touch today. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is you, the universe, the holistic mind with Katherine Potter. To reach the show today, please send an email to Potter at shaw.ca. That's Potter at shaw.ca. Now back to you, the universe, the holistic mind. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. I'm Katherine Potter. You're listening to You, the Universe, the Holistic Mind, and I'm talking with Deanna Kobernick, who is a collaborative lawyer, and she's been telling us about the um, teamwork of collaborative law, which I think is quite amazing. And so, Deanna, just before break, um, I, I said I was really curious to know how you became attracted to this type of law, because I don't know, maybe you were born into a family of lawyers who practice collaborative law, but I'm thinking probably not, maybe. So tell me a little bit about what brought you to the practice of collaborative law. Okay, I was not born into a family of lawyers. <laughs> I grew up in rural Saskatchewan um, with a farming family um, and somewhere ended up going to law school later in life. And I thought when I went to law school, um, because most anyone that knows me well will say that I love to argue and I love a good fight so I actually thought I'd make a really good litigation lawyer and partway through law school actually in my family law class um, a woman by the name of Marla Miller came into our class and she talked to us about mediation and collaborative law and so that was kind of the day where I just went geez that sounds interesting Um, let's find out more about that and then I finished law school I did my articles I actually articled with a family law lawyer who was a litigator and I learned a lot about the law, but I also learned that it wasn't the way that I wanted to be. It was very stressful, high stress, meeting deadlines, court applications, people were stressed out. Um, going to court was really, um, and I don't gamble, which is maybe why I ultimately don't like going to court, because it is a gamble when you go to court. You don't know Uh, what result you're going to get. You could have the best laid out case ever and maybe the judge is just having a really bad day. Uh, You don't know what's going to happen when you go to court. So I think what threw me off of the whole court process the most was that you lose power over your decision making the minute you go before a judge. The minute you walk through those doors, you have given up your autonomy and your ability to make decisions about your own life and your family, and you are giving it to some third party who knows nothing about you, will probably never see you again, will never see the faces of your children, and you are turning over all of your power to them to make decisions for you. So that is ultimately what I did not like about the litigation system, um, and that it wasn't a good quality of life for myself. So there's both sides for it. I'm a much happier person practicing collaborative law. I love all the lawyers I 
I work with, the financial people, the mental health people. Um, I love working with the people I work with. And it's very um, minimal stress compared to the practice of litigation. Wow. It sounds, you know, it. in my mind, this almost seems like a no-brainer. Why would we not want to work in this way? And so why wouldn't we want, why in any dispute of any kind, in any difference of opinion, <coughs> excuse me, why would we not want to work in a more collaborative way? <coughs> so, excuse me, now I'm losing my voice. <coughs> it's all that emotion. <laughs> so I'm curious to know, um, how are collaborative lawyers received by lawyers that um, typically work in a different manner? I'm not sure how to answer that question because, to be honest, I don't hang around with those lawyers. The lawyers that I keep company with are the collaborative lawyers. Um, I've talked to lawyers about, you know, why would they not want to do collaborative practice? And one of the main arguments that I've heard is because some of them disagree um, in theory about giving away your right to go to court because when we start the collaborative process we sign a participation agreement that says that we're going to resolve this without using the court and that if for some reason um, it doesn't work, the process doesn't work and one person wants to leave the process, our participation agreement states that both lawyers have to remove themselves and the clients have to find new lawyers if they're going to litigate. So some lawyers struggle with the idea that by signing that participation agreement they can no longer represent the client in court. Um, I see it as a very strong commitment to resolve the issue with outgoing to court and by signing that you are fully committed to that process. So does that happen often that you'll get partway through a process and somebody um, will say okay this is I'm talking about the client will say no we can't do this and they have to uh, withdraw from the agreement? So when I first started practicing collaborative law that did happen um, a few times with me and it does happen. However, in the last um, years, and we're even moving more strongly to it now, we're moving to a process where we involve the mental health professionals right at the beginning of the process. Because usually when someone leaves the process, there's an emotional reason because, and this is a different philosophical discussion, we don't make rational decisions. We make emotional decisions as human mm -hmm. beings. Mm -hmm. um, so usually what happens is maybe one person isn't even ready to engage in this process because they didn't realize there was a problem in the relationship. They just found out their husband or wife was cheating on them. Um, they may need to go work with a mental health professional to deal with a lot of the emotional um, stuff that's coming up for them before they can sit down in a room and have a business-like meeting about who's going to keep the house and where's the pension going to go and that sort of thing. So what I love about the model that we've moved to in Edmonton is that we involve the mental health professionals right at the beginning so that if those kind of issues need to be taken care of, they're taken care of with the mental health professional because lawyers are not psychologists. I didn't, although we probably should have a psychology degree, we don't. Um, so I'm not equipped to deal with that as a lawyer, just like I'm not an accountant. I'm not equipped to do a 
business valuation. Um, so this way, the parents, the clients, they're going to work with somebody to prepare them to then actually be able to sit at a negotiation table and negotiate without having the emotions um, basically the come and hijack without yeah. the emotional emotions yeah. hijacking the meeting. Yes. So these uh, these health, uh, mental health care professionals are there at the very beginning. Um, would they ever say, uh, no, this person's not ready to proceed or it just might slow the process down a wee bit? So they would meet with each of the clients and then we would have what we call a team meeting either by phone or in person. And then that's where the lawyers would get that feedback. So, for example, we might get, you know what? Um, Deanna, your client's not really ready to talk about selling the house because he's still dealing with the fact that his wife has moved on emotionally, doesn't want to work on the relationship. He still wants to work on the relationship, but she's done. So he needs to work with somebody, you know, for a while until he's actually ready to come and sit down at the table. So then that kind of work would happen first before we'd even think of bringing them in a room to start talking about how do we divide your assets. So I am hearing um, such a holistic approach, right? And isn't that what we're reaching for? Um, You know, to come out of a situation and we mentally, emotionally, physically, financially, spiritually are doing the least harm possible, but we're not pretending we're not annoyed or angry or disappointed or disillusioned, right? It's giving a place for people to name that and work with the appropriate professional um, and then be able and then be able to uh, then be able to come to the table and you might still feel somewhat raw, but you're not spewing it. Um, all over the negotiation. Right. Is so, that fair to say? Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> Spewing, one of, a lovely word, but... <laughs> well, it, it can be like that sometimes. So one of the um, lawyers that I work with, her name is Linda Long. She's over in Sherwood Park. Uh, she actually wrote an article um, that talks about the different elements of divorce. So she speaks to that holistic approach. Um, there's the legal part of the divorce, which is the filing the documents with the court, getting the actual divorce, having a legal contract in place. That's what the lawyers do best. We do the legal part best. Then there's the emotional divorce, um, Mm -hmm. which that's what the mental health professionals can deal with is the emotional part. And then there's also the financial part of the divorce. So yes, it's a team approach to deal with different elements of the divorce. The reason I believe most... um, processes blow up is because the emotional content isn't being addressed by somebody equipped to deal with it. Yes, we're trying to maybe be in a position or take a position or a place that we're not yet ready for. And and so therefore, we're trying to sit above something that's messy. Better always to get in and deal with it, correct? So um, I'm really curious to know, what type of person, well, first off, before I ask that question, I'm going to ask that question when we come back. We're going to break in a second or in a, in a minute. But um, there was something you said that I thought was intriguing. And, um, yeah, I guess it's what type of person is attracted. Now, not the lawyers, but what type of person, what type of client is attracted to working in this way? Because, you know, I could be wrong, but it's not maybe... 
everybody who, you know, because there's still a lot of people in the world who would like to rip their ex's face off. I hear that a lot in the work that I do, and I get it. You know, I get it. Um, And it's a hard place to go to, to see how that might reflect some inner part of us. And um, but so I'm really curious to know the type of client. So two things. And we'll maybe answer that when we come back from break. The other thing I'm really curious about is, are there um, more men or women who tend to work as collaborative lawyers? So we're going to, I don't know, it may be, it may be equal. I'd love to hear that it's equal. Um, so we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, Uh, Diana will answer both of those questions for us. So stay tuned and come back and find out who actually will work with a collaborative lawyer. And from a gender perspective, is there more of one gender than the other in collaborative law? Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you curious about your unique astrological blueprint? Would you like guidance on how to work consciously with the planetary cycles affecting your life? Are you ready to expand your horizons and release limiting beliefs or patterns that inhibit your growth and happiness? With insight, compassion, and experience, Catherine Potter holds a clear place for your unfolding evolution. For more information, go to catherinepotter.ca. That's catherinepotter.ca. Are you a budding or closet metaphysician, mystic, or astrologer? Do you want to find out about upcoming programs, workshops, lectures, or retreats? You'll want to sign up for Catherine's free monthly newsletter and stay up to date with informative articles and workshop information. Visit CatherinePotter.ca to subscribe. From astrology to hypnotherapy and mysticism, you'll stay up to date on classes, consultations, and more. Visit CatherinePotter.ca and stay in touch today. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is you, the universe, the holistic mind with Katherine Potter. To reach the show today, please send an email to Potter at shaw.ca. That's Potter at shaw.ca. Now back to you, the universe, the holistic mind. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. If you're just tuning in, uh, my name is Catherine Potter, and I'm talking to collaborative lawyer Deanna Kobernick, who has just um, educated us about the wonderful teamwork and the holistic approach of collaborative law. And so um, I asked you, I asked you just before we went to break that I was going to ask you rather about are there more men than women? And now I'm talking about the lawyers who practice collaborative law. Is there a certain age um, of t- lawyer? Is it 
newbies coming in? Is it people who have life experience who maybe get burned out and think, okay, enough of the battlefield? Um, because that's what I hear when I'm hearing the other way to do it. So, yes, is there a, I'm curious to know if there, yep. So without actually looking on our association website and counting the numbers of females and males, all I can say is it. I feel it's rather equal. Like if I think of the active um, files I have right now and the families that are in the collaborative process, I would say that the lawyers um, that are working with me, I'd say half of them are male and half of them are female. Um, and then as far as uh, age range, we've got lots of new people that have joined the association in the last few years. So younger lawyers, like with one to five years at the bar, um, we've got some younger psychologists coming on and the financial people as well. And then we've also got the other end of the spectrum where we've got people that 30 years at the bar or psychologists that have been practicing uh, for 30 plus years. So I'd say we have a huge uh, range in age and then I'm going to guess roughly equal in gender across both professions or all three professions. Sorry. I like it. That's excellent to hear, right? That it's not weighted. And um, do you think people coming in are a little bit more open to this? As we learn, just collectively, as we learn to open up and think in different ways. I'm curious to, to, I guess what I'm asking you is, do you think the legal profession is changing and moving in that direction? I would hope the legal profession is moving in that direction. Uh, One of the um, things I wanted to mention was the Reforming Family Justice Initiative, which was started by Madam Justice Andrea Moen, who is now retired, but I still need to use her full name because I'm most comfortable with that. So she initiated um, a process or a, yeah, let's call it a process a few years ago where there was a recognition that the court system was not the best place to resolve disputes. She actually had taken a leave of absence and published a research paper on the effects of conflict on the developing brains of children. And I think that was what drove her to start this initiative that the the court system is not the place to deal with families. It may be the place to deal with other aspects of the law, but certainly not family law. So I would hope that we're moving in that direction. I think the biggest uh, roadblock we face is that people just don't know that there's other options. People, when they think, like I said at the beginning of the interview, when they go, I'm getting divorced, the friend goes, oh, you need to go hire a lawyer or you need to go do this or you need to go do that. So I think our biggest um, hurdle that we need to get over is how do we get an awareness in the general public that there is this other way to do things. Which is why we are doing these shows, because this isn't just legal, right? It's like what there are different types of leaders there are different approaches so you said something that i don't i i want to come back to um because often the the most traumatized after a divorce are the children and you said something um about did you say something about the impact of the conflict on the children? Tell me more about that. And I think you said something about the brains and that this uh, um, leader had gone and studied. So 
Can you tell us more about that? So I personally am actually just fascinated with neuroscience. So I read a lot about neuroscience and the whole field of neuroscience has just expanded greatly in the last 20 years. So that comment particularly comes from a testing system called the Adverse Childhood Experience, uh, which is a, a checklist of 10 questions. One of the questions of adverse things that can happen to children. Um, so they've, you know, they're living in a house with drug or alcohol abuse or domestic violence. Um, one of those 10 things is divorce. So from a psychological perspective, and I'm quoting one of my um, family specialists here, a divorce is an attachment injury for a child because it's an end of a relationship. So um, this goes back to attachment theory. So it is an attachment injury for a child. And so then how do we mitigate that injury and minimize the damage? And then the other part of that question was the impact of conflict on developing brains. So the research um, paper that Andrea Justice Mullen or Justice Andrea Mullen published, and there's lots of this out there, you just have to Google it, is what happens to a young brain because children's brains are in a stage of exponential growth from birth to age six. It continues in different phases after that. But if that brain is constantly bombarded by toxic emotions, living in a toxic environment, an environment of conflict, um, there are going to be impacts to the brain, which then have long-term implications, not only for mental health, but physical health. Whoa. Okay, so yes, and we know this, and this is really important, and I'd like to remind our listeners that um, we always have the opportunity to open up pathways that got shut down when we were younger and didn't get exposed to nourishing ideas or nourishing growth. However, the easiest time of our life to do it is when those when we're young and our brains are so, so um, like sponges absorbing our environments. Uh, so having said that, uh, that's really important, right? And I would think that it's hard just in the work that I do with people. Sometimes it's hard to put the needs of the child in front of our anger or ahead rather of our anger or our disappointment or whatever and um, I'm curious to know about the type of client who comes to you because you must attract a certain type of client who is willing to do that and um, willing to allow an ending to happen with some grace and compassion and um, mindfulness so what type of client typically or if there even is a typical is coming to see you so my typical clients have done their research before they come to see me because by the time they've called or emailed me, they already know that they don't want to litigate. So I'm not sitting in a room with someone that I have to try to convince that they should not litigate. I'm sitting in a room with someone that's already choosing a different way. And usually there's several factors. Usually um, often it's because there's children and they want to have a friendly relationship with their soon-to-be ex-spouse because they will be parenting children um, together for as long as they live. 
even if they're not living in the same house anymore. So often it's someone who is uh, concerned about the children. Um, They don't want all-out warfare. They want to do something in a respectful and dignified way. Um, Cost comes into play because they want to do something that isn't going to end up throwing their children's education fund um, at retainer fees. So it's usually people who want a friendly relationship with the other parent, They care about the children and how this is impacting them and want to do this in the best possible way, trying to save some money and want to use a process that at the end of it, they can feel good about themselves and what they went through. And again, I'm going to say, is it um, a particular age group that you find? Is it younger people who are more open to that? Is it people who have more maturity and have maybe spent some time uh, coming to know themselves differently. Uh, I'm curious to know, again, there may not be statistics, you know, to support, but just in your own practice, the people that you meet, um, yeah. I'd say, and I'm trying to think of all the clients I'm working with right now, I would say, again, it's a range of ages. Um, doesn't necessarily have to be people that were married. I've worked with couples who were not legally married but living together. I've got um, people who um, did not have children together, so it doesn't necessarily always involve children. Um, people that have had very short-term relationships that are maybe younger people who have had very long-term relationships and the kids are all grown up and adults. So again, I think it's quite a wide range of ages and lengths of marriages, married, not married, with children and without children. Okay, so it's diverse, yes. Um, And maybe part of where we're going in the world, we don't always realize we're going somewhere, right? And then all of a sudden more people are attracted to certain types of practices. So, very interesting. Um, You know, a lot of this reminds me uh, of the book by Marshall Rosenberg, and it's called um, Nonviolent Communication. And often we think about nonviolent communication as we're not punching somebody, but this is about not punching somebody with our words or our intentions or our thoughts and being able to hear a different perspective Um, from our own and so um, I'm curious to know the type of training or um, that collaborative lawyers is there training outside the law that you'd be involved with are there videos that you'd recommend are there um, books you'd recommend so all the lawyers um, and actually the other professionals as well that are part of the association we all have to take a mediation course and we also have to take an interest-based negotiation course um, which really means moving away from positional thinking um, litigation is very positional thinking it's I want this um, you can have that I don't want this um, interest-based negotiation is much different than that and so yes it's definitely a way of moving through things where we're asking curious questions we're looking at different options for resolution um, so there's no required communication course that we take but we do learn that in the interest-based negotiation and we also have to take um, ongoing training every year we have to do a minimum of 10 hours of continuing education one of the people that we've consistently brought to Edmonton is um, Sharon Ellison who's 
from the United States as well. And she has an amazing book out called uh, Powerful Non-Defensive Communication. She's also got several CDs. I still have one that I listen to over and over in my car because I'm also a work in progress and need to constantly remind myself and learn. Um, I've also studied with Linda Kohanov, who's in Arizona. She has a workshop called The Power Behind Nonviolence, which again speaks to nonviolent communication. Excellent. And so I, and we're all a work in progress, aren't we? We all, you know, we have an ideal that we would like to be and then what it takes for us to get there. So when we come back, um, we're going to find out a little bit if collaborative law can be used for other types of disputes, not just divorce. And so stay tuned in and uh, we'll be back in a moment. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you curious about your unique astrological blueprint? Would you like guidance on how to work consciously with the planetary cycles affecting your life? Are you ready to expand your horizons and release limiting beliefs or patterns that inhibit your growth and happiness? With insight, compassion, and experience, Catherine Potter holds a clear place for your unfolding evolution. For more information, go to katherinepotter.ca. That's katherinepotter.ca. Are you a budding or closet metaphysician, mystic, or astrologer? Do you want to find out about upcoming programs, workshops, lectures, or retreats? You'll want to sign up for Catherine's free monthly newsletter and stay up to date with informative articles and workshop information. Visit katherinepotter.ca to subscribe. From astrology to hypnotherapy and mysticism, you'll stay up to date on classes, consultations, and more. Visit katherinepotter.ca and stay in touch today. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is you, the universe, the holistic mind with Katherine Potter. To reach the show today, please send an email to Potter at shaw.ca. That's Potter at shaw.ca. Now back to you, the universe, the holistic mind. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm talking to uh, Deanna Kobernick, a collaborative lawyer. She's been sharing all the wonderful things and the holistic approach that collaborative law brings. So, Deanna, before we went uh, to break, um, I mentioned that I have a question for you. And I'm curious to know if collaborative law can be used for other types of disputes, not just divorce or common law ending relationship. So recently, um, I've actually used the collaborative process to deal with a a couple going into a new relationship. So Mm -hmm. they actually went into the collaborative process to structure a um, cohabitation agreement or a prenuptial agreement. And I can say that it was um, quite 
pleasurable dealing with people at the front end of the relationship. So that's still family law, but it's a different um, Mm -hmm. take on it. Of course, we didn't need the other professionals in that one because it was legal issues that we were dealing with. Um, So I really enjoyed doing that. So I believe there's quite a few lawyers that are using it as a practice on the front end of relationships, not just at the ending of a relationship. And I know the estate bar in Edmonton right now is um, starting to do some collaborative training and I believe they're looking at moving um, into the option of a collaborative process for dealing with uh, estate issues. I love it. It it sounds like at the very beginning people are creating an intention for a win-win, right? Yes. So very yes. nice. Very nice. So anything else that you would like to share Um, before we come to the end of our show, it goes by so quickly, doesn't it, Um, that you would like to share about collaborative law that that you feel is important to tell us? So uh, the most important piece, which we haven't actually gotten to yet, um, we did talk about the mental health professional. So in the collaborative process, uh, they're referred to as a family specialist. So not only do they meet with the parents, but more importantly, they meet with the children. So they bring the voice of the children into the process. It's not a therapeutic role. They're not doing therapy with the children or the family, but they meet with the parents separately. And then they have each of the parents bring the children in. And depending on the age of the children, they would actually meet with the children on their own. And then we have a meeting where we have both clients, both lawyers and the mental health professional, and they come to the meeting and essentially tell us what is going on with the family. Are, mm. what, what are the parents doing really well? What are the kids saying that maybe the parents aren't doing so well and they could use some help with? Is one child really struggling with the end of the relationship, whereas maybe another one is just totally fine with it? Is one child carrying um, one of the parents' emotional goop that that parent isn't dealing with? So that's where we actually get to find out how the kids are doing Um, Do the kids need some therapy or sometimes we get a report back from the family specialist that goes, you know what, parents, you're doing an awesome job and your kid is just fine. And then I see two parents in the room give this huge sigh of relief Mm. to find out that they're actually doing the right thing. Um, The child is fine. Um, Often it's, you know, little Johnny is struggling, so we may need to get him some therapy or so-and-so could use some help with this. So that, to me, is how we involve the children in this process because the lawyers don't meet with the children directly um, and we're not just getting the information coming through the parents to us. We're actually getting it from someone who's meeting with the children and bringing their perspective into the room. So what age is the child when they can, approximately, what age is the child like, are they doing this with a three-year-old, a four-year-old, a five-year-old? Is there a certain age that uh, the um, professionals are, are getting feedback from the children? So if they're younger children, the therapist, I I just call them a therapist when I said they weren't one, but I mean, they're a therapist, they're just not acting in a therapeutic role in this process. The family specialist would make that determination when they met with the children as to what was the appropriate age for them to be meeting with the children alone. Sometimes it's it's younger children. Maybe they'll do an exercise where the parent stays in the room and they have the parent and the children do like a Lego exercise or something like that. 
And if the child, you know, usually around that age five, six, usually kids are pretty articulate and they can meet with them on their own. Very nice. I love it. I love the heart of this. There's so much heart in it that uh, it gives me chills. It gives me chills. I really enjoy it. So, Deanna, um, I'd... How can people contact you? Can you tell us what your email address is? So um, I work on my own. Uh, my practice is called Epona Law and Mediation. So my email is Deanna at EponaLawAndMediation.com. My website is Epona Law. Um, we also have the Edmonton Association website that lists all of the practicing professionals in the Edmonton area, which is www.divorceseparation.ca. And then we have an Alberta um, website, which is collaborativepractice.ca. And then, as I mentioned at the very beginning of the um, interview, for people that are outside of the province of Alberta or outside the country of Canada, we have the International Association, which is collaborativepractice.com. Excellent. Deanna, I want to thank you for coming on the show and um, sharing all your really needed and valuable information. And um, again, anybody can reach Deanna through the uh, web and and emails that she just gave. And so um, for those of you who are intrigued by the idea of communicating and living in a more collaborative and peaceful way, it's important to remember that we need to allow ourselves to empty out and let go of old negative emotions and grievances to forgive and be forgiven. By emptying internally, we decrease our attraction to all types of situations and people. Even when the other person is not interested in finding resolution, by us going inward, we can release the negative emotional grievance and we clear the attraction to the conflict. I would like to share a piece from a Buddhist prayer that I've shared with students and clients and I use when I feel entrapped by not letting go of a grievance. I imagine the person sitting in front of me, and with both my head and my heart in the same place, I say the following, my heart is filled with love and kindness. May I be peaceful. May I be happy. May I be free. May you be happy. May you be peaceful. May you be free. If I have harmed you in any way with my thoughts, words, or deeds, intentionally or unintentionally, With all my heart, I offer my forgiveness. If you have harmed me in any way with your thoughts or words or deeds, intentionally or unintentionally, with all my heart, I offer my forgiveness. May I be peaceful. May I be happy. May I be free. May you be peaceful. May you be happy. May you be free. Try this every day for a week and see how how you feel. And join me next week. My guest is Beth McCann, a yoga teacher and a Hakomi practitioner. And we will be talking about yoga and the fairy tale of Sleeping Beauty. Until then, remember, it's important to empty and let go so we have room for new and improved experiences. Thank you for joining me on You, the Universe, the Holistic Mind. Thank you for listening this week. Please join your host, Catherine Potter, for another edition of You, the Universe, the Holistic Mind, next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
Until we speak again, have a great week.